Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, friend Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to our Undertaker The Last Ride review series. Episode, what is this, four? Four. Four. What was the name? Battle Within, I think. The Battle Within Me. Or the Battle Inside, something like that. Battle Inside, the River Stygian. Um, I'll be honest with you, man. This is like my favorite episode of them all. Yeah, I think same here. This was this was really good because it did it covered so much, and it didn't meander at all. Um, <laughs> it covered a, lar- a pretty large swath of time, but it started... Uh, with what I thought was the most interesting historical content we have in The Undertaker, and that's his outtakes from various filmed vignettes that he's done mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you get people like uh, Pritchard saying, you know, who evidently produced a lot of his uh, early vignettes, probably a lot of them over the years, yeah, saying, you know, he was always so professional, so disciplined and everybody that was interviewed they talk a lot about how he was uh he lived the character for you know the entire time that he was the undertaker up until very recently and that's when they were able to dovetail and talking about why he did starcast because it was finally time to to let go of that and start making money off of who the real person was off his legacy legacy um but uh, I thought that the vignettes, the outtakes were were really interesting and they didn't even show that many of them, but like little bits like, you know, he'll do a take and then they'll stu- they'll cut and then he'll say, all right, that, that was good. Let's do it again. Well, one, he said, all right, 30 seconds. We'll go again. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Almost like he was directing the scene himself. Right. There was that. But it, it, it was interesting juxtaposition where, where he was talking about and other people were talking about his dedication to his character and not ever dropping it when he was in public. And you juxtapose that, that level of discipline, if you will, um, to some more lighthearted moments during these takes, these vignettes yeah, where he was cracking jokes. There was laughter. Yeah. But at one point he talked about where, you know, whenever they did, did these uh, vignettes in, in uh, cemeteries or whatnot, uh, the weather was seemingly always bad. Mm-hmm. So you had to deal with that. And then, uh, you know, Pritchard said something along the lines of, you know, I would most of the time there's no one, uh, there's not another wrestler I'd ask to do some of this stuff other than him because I know that Undertaker's dedicated to it. 
dedicated to tell the story, dedicated to his character. So even if it's a crap setup that's going to take five hours to get one shot or something like that, which I don't know if WWE even does that, um, or is it all day type shoot overnight, bad weather, uh, he'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, while they were talking about this stuff, because like I said, the first chunk was about him staying in character and he had a lot to say about that how for you know years and years and years whenever he'd leave he'd go out in black when he was at the airport nobody would bug him because they didn't know what he was going to do how he'd react um there was a great line it was so so appropriate and it said so much about vince mcmahon but vince mcmahon's lone quote in this was he had so much discipline so much control and you can see the glint in his eyes when he says the word control, he envied or he admired the undertaker for the one thing that we know and have always heard Vince McMahon takes the most, uh, takes most seriously. And that's people who can control themselves. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was so appropriate. That was interesting. I mean, we, we, there was a lot of, uh, uh, fly in the wall off the cuff interaction between Undertaker and Vince that we'd seen in any of the ep- other episodes. Them joking with each other. Dude. Um, that bit where uh, Taker shows up WrestleMania 35 and kind of skipping ahead a little bit. He's not on the card, but he goes anyways. Um, and then uh, in the lead up to Mania, he's asked, Hey, can you be on Raw? Can you, can you actually be on camera on Raw? And he says, Well, I didn't bring my gear. And so we had to fly home to Austin, grab his gear, fly back to New York. Uh, for, for WrestleMania to be there in time for Mania itself and Raw. And so uh, at, at Gorilla Position, Day of Mania, Vince has given him some crap about that. It's like, who doesn't bring her, their gear? A pro brings their gear. And then uh, Undertaker says, well, a pro books me on the card. Yeah. And there's some back and forth. And then Vince has a joke about uh, Giant Gonzalez, like his son or something's a wrestler now. Yeah. We could have put you in a, a match against him. Yeah. that that We see a lot of Vince acting like such a happy little brother to the undertaker, which is funny because Vince is like older than the undertaker, but like, I forget, I don't know if it was extreme rules or what, but undertaker's backstage. And he's just, this is the most chill undertaker we've seen out of all these episodes. These bits are so that they're really just a guy who he comes off as so human. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's goofy in some moments, when he's sitting there and Vince comes up behind him and Undertaker says, oh, who's coming up behind me? And Vince like razzes him a little bit. They're like children together. Mm-hmm. It's honestly like the it's like the the cutest and weirdest thing I've ever seen is that they're like giddy around each other. Yeah, seemingly. And to see that juxtaposed with Undertaker not wanting to disappoint Vince not wanting to let Vince down and coming across as I don't want to say a loyal servant because that really does him a disservice, but somebody who really, I don't know. Mark Calloway just came off as very much a human being, like not stand offish at all. I mean, he's talking to everybody. He's giggling. He's laughing. He did a, a Marlon Brando impression at one point. Yeah. He kind of makes a self-deprecating uh, comparison to the Godfather because he's sitting there waiting to meet with Vince and everybody's coming up and saying hi, uh, shaking his hand, talking to him for a little bit. And he was like, yeah, it's nice, I guess, sitting here. People come up and show their respect, talk to me. I'm like the Godfather, he, he does his impression. Then he kind of rolls his eyes a little bit. 
he comes poking off, fun at himself. He's so he's so like lovingly corny in a lot of this. You know, oh, he's very much like 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 very much like a grandfather. He is. He totally he is. Um, and then to see him when he went to when he was at Mania when he wasn't booked. So he's like, I didn't have anything to do. So he went to Access. I'd never been to Access before, besides being there for a signing. And like he there, you know, it's before the crowds are there or whatever. And so him and Michelle and their kid, who's like probably nine or he ten. Said she maybe. was. Was she was she like seven or so? Seven, eight, nine. I thought they said she was six. Was she six? I could be wrong though. Um. Anyways, she was like, she's like running around, and they're doing all the nerdy family stuff. Like they're doing the the comment commentate on a match yeah. thing. Yeah. And then like she's posing with the belt. She's coming out to Bailey's music for the entrance stuff. They're doing all the family stuff, and it's 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 so interesting to see that side of them, which you know up until now it's been a lot of, and there was plenty of like serious career talk, but this was the first time where it's like, well, he's just a guy who doesn't have anything better to do, and it's yeah. like we've all we've all been in professionally in situations where we're like, oh, I don't really have a lot to do right now, so I'm just gonna hang out, mm-hmm. and he's almost a little bit on the awkward side. There were moments oh, where yeah. he just comes off as a bit awkward. Which is so weird. It is because he says later on, like pro wrestling is the one thing that he seemingly has a uh, complete and utter confidence in himself in. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he talks about, you know, sometimes he's in a situation where, as a husband, he doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. As a father, he doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, seemingly, when he's not wrestling, there's situations where he doesn't know what to do or how to conduct himself per se. But he says when he's in the wrestling ring, he's got complete confidence in his abilities, and it's something that he knows inside and out. So he feels comfortable. Yeah. And it's it goes a long way to explain why he's probably having such a hard time walking away. And part of it, and I thought Shawn Michaels was fantastic in this episode. Yeah. Talking about, you know, it, it's, it's, you have to, he compares his career, I guess, and I guess by extension, Undertaker's as a portrait. And you have to, you paint your portrait. And then you have to find a point where you're comfortable stepping back, looking at it, and realizing, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is what I've done. You can go and sign your name in the bottom and you can step away. Yeah. And uh, obviously a situation where the undertaker feels like he hasn't had that moment yet, but yet when t- refre- uh, referencing Shawn Michaels retirement match, um, cause he said he and, and, and Shawn have had some conversations about retiring. And as he said that I've told Shawn a couple times, I wish I'd stepped away when you did. And you got the answer to your question because you've been, you've been wondering about that on this uh, review series. You know, I wonder if he ever thought end of an era could have been it. Well, evidently, he thought that maybe even 26 could have been it. Mm-hmm. And then I guess he was then he says he was the one who pitched to Triple H. Hey, let's continue this story. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was the most fascinating line because it's like, OK, so this has been on his mind for a little while now, mm-hmm. um, which is which is super fascinating. Um, um, let's talk about the Starcast thing. Uh, so he it's brought up and they, as you mentioned, they used. You know his dedication to his character throughout his career as his motivation ultimately to uh you know f- seek out some sort of social media branding company so he can get endorsements do more signings start capitalizing on his legacy and that led to uh what he thought was just an autograph signing in las vegas yeah uh, he said he was completely unaware that it was uh, associated or going on at the same time as uh double or nothing mm-hmm. and so uh, he gets a call from Vince. And Vince is all, well, what are you doing? Undertaker says, I'm just doing autograph signing in Vegas. And I guess Vince fills him in. No, this is our competition, so on and so forth. And uh, 
Undertaker says, well, we kind of we, we were on bad terms for a while yeah. because Vince had his point of view and I had my point of view. Mm-hmm. And it said it wasn't until we could both kind of settle down and, and, and open up and discuss our relative point of views that we were able to work things out. Now, I don't know if that was before or after the fact or before or after uh, Undertaker was uh, withdrew himself from StarCast along with Kurt Angle. I don't know when that happened because that was all pretty quick. The announcement and like a matter of what a week or two later he was yeah. pulled. I got the impression from that and I, do, I don't know. I got the impression from that from I mean I just watched it the one time that he signed that he he, he signed up with this agency to procure that stuff because he talked about you know they helped me do social <laughs> media endorsements. They arranged StarCast. Vince I, it seems like Vince's whatever Vince's deal with the Undertaker was at the time, prick, like allowed him to veto appearances from the Undertaker, and he and Vince pulled the plug on Starcast, and that's where the falling out was, and that might have led because then we had heard uh, elsewhere. I think I don't know who had it uh, that Undertaker signed subsequently to that a 15-year deal with the WWE. Mm-hmm. Which might have then, because we had we had read that his fee was like twenty five thousand dollars an hour with a, mm-hmm. a minimum three hour three hours, yeah, right. And so it seems like he was pulled from Starcast. They had a falling out, and then I can just surmise that maybe at that point he was like, okay, well, I need to make up this revenue, Vince. And Vince is like, fine, for fifteen years, I will pay you what you believe you have lost by me being able to pull you, but we have mm-hmm. you and we're going to do the documentary where you talk about, you know, your character, you'll do all that stuff that you want to trade on now through us exclusively. So WB can profit from it. That's yeah, that's, that's my, well, they can recoup the money they're spending on the undertaker. Um, that's my read on the situation. I could have that completely off, but that no, was I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's a a, a bad a bad take. Because he also a taker seems like the kind of person who, when he commits to something, like backing out of it is probably it's out a of pretty the question. massive deal. It's a pretty massive deal. I feel like if you're in the back out of it, and and the culmination of that bit. It's a relatively you know, it's like two minutes of the whole thing, of a forty nine minute. Uh, documentary is two or three minutes talking about Starcast and all that. Mm-hmm, yeah. In the end of which he's like, "Yeah, we went and talked it out, and after that everything was fine." I'm paraphrasing. He has he makes an expression. Yeah. He kind of does this. Yeah, that must have been a heavy 48 hours or whatever yeah. it was. You yeah. Know? Whatever he, that time was, because it seemed like I don't know whatever issues, at least within himself, might not be 100 percent resolved. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So then he talks about the uh, the Goldberg match. Yes, we get to yeah. that. So they cover they they kind of recover uh, go over the stuff about uh, the previous Saudi show where it was Brothers of Destruction versus DX. What a nightmare that match was! Mm-hmm. Um, and then the opportunities presented to him uh, to have the match against Goldberg the summer after WrestleMania. Yeah, because he has the uh, he has the raw bit with Elias, and that goes really well. And mm-hmm. he's all riding pretty high. And he's like, okay, well, Goldberg gets pitched to me. And then you get to see sort of the inner fan of, of Undertaker understanding this is a dream match. This is a big deal. This is something that you don't get very often. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get very often. And They've uh, never had a match before, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, the, the name Goldberg versus the name Undertaker, it's a big deal. And so he wanted to see it through. Yeah. And uh, I was actually – I'm not going to say I was surprised – because I don't think Goldberg is the kind of I think that I'm sorry I think that Undertaker is like close enough to Kane 
Triple H and HBK so they can all collectively talk shit about their match. Mm-hmm. They didn't re- they didn't talk shit about each other. They no. were they jokingly all referred to it as a train wreck, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am kind of surprised that he well, okay, no, I'm not surprised. He did not run down Goldberg at all. At all. At all. He said Goldberg got hurt and then and the match was and and then I almost got killed, basically. Mm-hmm. But they danced around the Goldberg thing completely. And I would and I was begging. I was sitting there like, oh, get a camera backstage for that. I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you, I will bet all the money in my wallet, which is like three dollars, that they had cameras back there and there's footage mm-hmm. and we will never see it. Probably not. Because and, and he even mentioned he says, you know, the look on my face after that match, disappointment. Uh he used another word. Um, he said Bill, he talked about Goldberg, said he was disappointed too. Mm-hmm. Um and while I mean both Undertaker and Michelle McCool were very diplomatic, I kind of feel like Michelle was slightly less so. Yeah, she's talking they, about yeah. There might texting. be some more dialogue on the cutting room floor yes. that didn't talking about it. texting their doctor as soon as that uh, that 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 really awkward awful spear uh, was hit, asking if he's going to be okay. And she said normally uh, after a show when she's not there and she's worried about him, uh, she'll text him and say, are, "Are you fine?" And normally he goes, "Yeah." And then the fact that he responded, "My back is killing me." made her worried yeah and they both say i think michelle said it was a matter of what a couple centimeters or inches or undertaker from being potentially really hurt yeah 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 so they didn't i i you know and again i i will guarantee you there there is more to that story that they are letting on but out of respect to goldberg they weren't going to run the guy down yeah. Um, and I think it would have been, honestly, it probably would have been tacky and I, I it wouldn't have been, it would have been uncomfortable to hear that, but, uh, it and, wouldn't have been consistent with the, right. with what they've set out so far. Right. Um, and on top of that, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you get out of the, the, the situation in the first place. I mean, I know Goldberg bashed his head. Uh, did, did he bad? Did he bash his head into the door coming out to that match? He did as his customary, and that's what initially busted Mopin, I believe. But mm-hmm. when he took the 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 post spot, is that when was he got the big concussed. thing. Yeah, yeah, because he just yeah. went head first right into it. Yeah, um, um, and that's when he he rung his bell. I don't know if he's concussed. I don't know if that's ever one hundred percent confirmed. That's what Undertaker said. It's like I assume he concussed himself. I don't know for sure. Yeah, um, the way he was moving around looked like he had concussed himself. Yeah, um, you know, and I guess you know they they have a match laid out. They want to try to see it out as best they can. They're professionals. But at a certain point, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you do. I mean, you got two guys who their moveset relies on a lot of coordination and having strength. your legs under you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if, if Goldberg did not have his legs under him because he was concussed, there's no way he was getting him up for a jackhammer. No yeah. way. Yeah, totally. Um, and I guess one thing that was interesting from this is that Undertaker said he was already signed up for the Extreme Rules match going into the Goldberg bout at yeah. Super Showdown, which mm-hmm. I was kind of wondering, you know, we've seen this pattern throughout this thing where he has a bad match. He feels like he needs redemption. Um, so he's not going out on a low. Mm-hmm. He wants to go out on a high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I assume that was, you know, the latest uh, bit of that cycle is he had bad match against Goldberg. He's like, well, I can't go out that way. Uh, give me something else. Well, apparently that was already in place. 
they go over the match Extreme Rules, a tag match, whereas him and Roman against uh, Drew McIntyre, Shane McMahon, it's a really fun match. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could tell he does have a pep in his step. He is out there acting like he has something to prove. Yeah. Whether you thought that consciously, he didn't mention that uh, in this episode, but it seemed like he was out there. I need to prove that I still have it. Right. And he felt good enough about it that right afterwards he went to Vince and said, I'm done. Yeah. That was going to be the last one. Yeah. That was going to be the last one. And I love, I loved how they ended this episode. Yeah. It was really good. Number one, you do, you get that scene at gorilla where he said, you know, I didn't just want to spring this on you, but I guess here I am just springing it on you. And, uh, and, and Vince says, well, wherever you go, I will, you lead and I will follow. Vince puts up a little bit of a fight at first. (laughs) He says, we'll talk about it later. (laughs) And Undertaker's like, no, I mean, I'll step back to think about some more, but I feel like that's it. And eventually after, you know, two or three, uh, bits of back and forth, Vince is like, all right, Mark, wherever you lead. I'll go. Yeah. And then he's backstage talking about how good he felt about the match. He he says, well, I kind of felt too good because now the thoughts to my head, I maybe got one or two of these more left in me. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it ends on the shot of him and AJ talking backstage. He turns the cameraman. He's like, hey, give us a few minutes. Yeah. And he just has this giddy smile on his face. Um, And then the preview for next week, they're just heaping all sorts of praise on AJ Styles. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, there are two guys who – you know, they're both from the South. They both seem like they probably have some of the same sensibilities. And obviously AJ is like a, a, a you know, elite level uh, wrestler. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, man, this is the perfect guy to go out on. Um, and, uh, and obviously we got that with the Boneyard match, which they're going to discuss in the next episode. But yep. I will almost guarantee that there will be one final in-ring match in front of 70,000 people, yeah. probably yeah. at next year's WrestleMania. That would not shock me in the least, and that's when we'll get the final episode of The Last Ride. Yep. Um, and I, I wonder, too, if, and I, I'd assume this would be the case, that his match against AJ at Mania, if it were to happen in front of fans, was going to be it. Oh, oh, probably, definitely. Probably, definitely. I would imagine so. And it's going to be very interesting to him, the, for, to, to hear him say, you know, talk about how the pandemic has affected this. You know, oh, they're going to have us do this thing. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they if he lets on. I mean, dude, what they could easily they could easily go into some really weird territory where he open he actually says this is a placeholder match for you know to lead up to WrestleMania and then reference that shit on. Smackdown mm-hmm. with AJ Styles and then he'll start geeking up for you know in character talking about oh I got mania match against Undertaker um, and then start the story you know this far out I mean I would imagine yeah. by next April we'll have fans somewhere <laughs> so so we'll see how that works out yeah. but uh, but yeah anyways uh, I thought this was a super solid episode you guys yeah it was it, it was it was real solid cool so yeah we'll be here next week for the final episode of the la- or the second to last episode of the last rider until they make the last one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah. Thanks for watching until next time. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye.
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.